When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. It's now 10 years since Graham Dot won the World Championship, and we're going to be talking to Graham today about that and much more besides. But first, Graham, we always start by asking the players how they got into snooker. So what was your introduction to the sport? Um, my granddad played, used to play my uncle every Saturday. I used to go in and watch. It was only too, too small to reach the table, but eventually they let me have a shot, so I was kind of hooked for them. How old would you, would you have been then? Um, maybe about eight, okay. something like that. I don't know, so this is 80s, mid-80s, where the game's big on TV, so did you sort yeah. of become fascinated like so many young boys have, have done in the past? Yeah, probably. I mean, just watching the likes of Jimmy White and that, he was always my favourite watching. And um, obviously Henry doing so well yeah. was massive for Scotland, so probably that. So how did it develop from there? Did you start sort of playing regularly? I or? think supposedly when I was like 10, my uncle took us up because my granddad's legs started getting too bad and he couldn't right. play. So my uncle took him up when I was, I was giving him a game and supposedly like the first time I played, I'd done like a 40. <laughs> and I never thought anything of it, but obviously mm. they spotted something that I was kind of relatively good. So they then tried to introduce me to like junior tournaments and things like that. Mm. And in Scotland at the time, there must have been quite a thriving scene, as you say, Hendry had just sort of come through, and I guess there'd be a lot of young kids who want to take snooker up, maybe. Yeah, yeah. well, there was, I mean, it was massive in Scotland now in comparison to what it's like just now. But there were so many good players, um, even in juniors, but even just like above that, and the good amateurs and then pros, there, were, mm. there was loads in Scotland. So how do, because lots of kids love playing snooker, but how do someone like you progress to being a professional as opposed to some of the others just get left behind? Is it, is it in terms of the sort of the work ethic, the attitude, or is, is there a sort of natural aptitude you have for it, do you think? I think it might just be a natural thing, because mm. I, I can imagine, I mean, I just love snooker. When I, when I see some of the boys that are playing now, and you see the likes of Judd Trump and that, and you see how hungry they are, I mean, yeah. I was like that when I was young, um, and you just love everything but to do with snooker. I can always remember practising on like a six foot table in my house and I would have a black and white TV watching snooker while I was playing. I just loved it. You had a pretty good amateur career, didn't you? You won, in fact, you won the Scottish Amateur Championship yeah. when you were a teenager. Do you, can you remember much about that? I can remember winning, I think I was 16. I think I, I was one of the, the, the second youngest to Henry. Henry beat me maybe, maybe a couple mm. of months or something. Mm. But I played um, a professional in the final, Neil Martin. 
Um, I think he, he was a professional and then he'd fell off yeah. that year. And a lot of the amateurs weren't happy that he was playing in it because he'd <laughs> fell off that year. But I managed to win that. It was good. It was great, great memories. A lot of family was up as well. Mm. So you're 16 and you win, you win that. Do you think, right, I'm going to go and turn professional and you know, I'm going to do really well? Or, or was the reticence at all? Did you think, well, maybe I'm not ready yet? I suppose at that yeah. age you, you, you wouldn't just go and play it. Yeah, I, I thought I was ready to play in it. My dad wanted me to wait a wee while. Mm. But um, I had won everything as an amateur. I'd won the Scottish amateur. I'd won the British under-19s. So there wasn't really much for me to do. I went to the World Amateur and lost in the semis. And so I thought I was ready. So mm. I thought I was playing waiting. So so you would have started with the Norbrek, I guess, and just, yeah. and just started playing 16, as a professional. Yeah. yeah, loved it. Again, a lot of people, a lot of the pl- players that were ranked where I am just now hated it. Yeah. They always say bad things about yeah, the Norbrek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Just because I loved snooker. You mm. were there. And I lived half my life at Blackpool, mm. just playing every day. It was brilliant. Mm. But did you sort of feel part of the tour? Because obviously you're not at the main venue with the cameras, yeah. or you're in a, a big hotel, basically, yeah. lots of hundreds of players and, and just playing every day. Did you, when did you sort of start to feel, OK, I'm actually a, a pro here? I genuinely felt like a pro at Blackpool. Right. I, I know some people now try and make out, if you're not playing at such and such, you can't feel like a pro. Yeah. But I disagree with that completely. Because mm. I can remember phoning my dad, from Norbrook for, for the, the payphone because he didn't have mobile. <laughs> he had mobiles there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but phoning my dad and saying I'm practicing and Gary Wilkinson's on the next table. Mm. Now, how good a feeling is that for yeah, a kid? Yeah. So I felt like a pro. Mm. And a sort of mixed bag of people, weren't there? There were sort of young yeah. new players. There were a few old stages, and there were yeah. a few people who just completely deluded into thinking they could play and they couldn't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I think that was that was the, for me that was the best time to be a player. I thought that was the best. I know people say that it's rubbish, but I think it's the best way of playing. Because you were playing your own standard, mm. first round, maybe second round, you might get an easy game, so be it. Third round, you were getting slightly harder, and then slightly harder all the way through yeah. until eventually you played like a Neil Folds or a Gary Wilkinson mm. last match. Mm. But that's the way it should be, because mm. you then learn your trade. If I was a pro under these conditions, I probably wouldn't have been anywhere near as high as I am just now. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first venue? Do you remember what it was like getting through there? And yeah, my, my first venue... Um, I think it was Dubai. Okay. I know I know it was my first year as a pro, <clears throat> but I think I won something like ten matches yeah. to get to Dubai. Um, and I lost to Ken Doherty, five two I think. And then my first TV game was in Bournemouth. Again, first year as a pro, I played Ronnie, hmm. which was obviously a big thing. And Ronnie beat us. I think he beat me five three. But I mean, it was just it was just brilliant to be playing Ronnie. But especially hmm. on TV, it was fantastic. How did you find it with all the cameras and everything? It was brilliant. I, loved yeah. it. I mean, it was just everything I wanted to do. Yeah. Since, since practising on the six-foot table, it's all you ever wanted to do. And yeah. I, I never felt awkward with the cameras, though. I know some people do, but I think that's where a bit of kind of just being natural at it helps. Because mm. I always felt fine with the cameras. Mm. Got to quite early on, you got to a Welsh Open quarter final, I think, and yeah. then you, you sort of gradually started to improve, didn't you? Eventually yeah. made to the Crucible, and we started to see more and more of you on TV. Could you feel your game improving over that period? I think you could. I mean, I, I turned pro at the same time as as Matthew Stevens and, and Paul Hunter, mm. and they were roughly the same all the way through. And, and then they they pulled away. But after the first year, we. We were all maybe ranked about 300. It was within about five places. And then the next year, you may have been 180 and they were 182. Mm. And, but then eventually, they seemed to, I seemed to stop when I got to about 60 or something like that. I can't remember where I was. And they pulled on. Yeah. And they went ahead of me. And it was hard watching the TV and watching them there. And I hadn't kind of had a breakthrough yet. Mm. But um, obviously, I eventually did. 
was there a particular thing you think that eventually pushed you forward? Was there anything to no change your game? Or? I've no idea. Yeah. I just think it was they seem to they they seem to be quicker at adapting to playing better players than I was. Right. I seem to have kind of reached my level where it was close to whether I was never going to get any better and I might fall away. And uh, they seemed to be a bit quicker at adapting. What was it like walking out of the crucible the first time? Was it a sort of was it match up to what everyone had said about how special it was? And... It was. I mean, I'd never been. I'd, I deliberately um, wanted to wait to qualify. I never wanted to go to see it. I wanted to be involved in it when I'd done it. But I, can, I always remember getting introduced and everything felt fine. Hmm. And I sat down and I thought, oh, everybody's talking about this <laughs> is fine. But then the partition came down. <laughs> and I, 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 as the partition was coming down, I just felt white. I just thought that's no right. That's that's too tight, and yeah. that camera shouldn't be there. And I, I just couldn't believe how small it was. Mm. And I, I just totally bottled it. <laughs> the first session, I, I think I lost the session six three, but I, I don't know how I won three. I just mm. I just felt terrible. Mm. Then the second session, I actually played well, and I eventually lost ten nine. But mm. it's a great experience. Mm. And eventually, a couple of years after that, you got to your first final, didn't you, in, yeah. in, in Scotland? So now you, you are, you know, you've made it through to a big occasion, yeah. like playing Stephen Hendry yeah. in the final up, up in Aberdeen. What was that like? The final was a washout. Yeah, I can remember the final was just horrible. But Stephen did what he does. <laughs> I mean, he just he just bullied me. Mm. There was a, a lot, of, a lot of kind of lucky experience getting to that stage, and then just kind of, I wasn't completely like a rabbit in the headlights. It wasn't wasn't completely like that, but. There was lots of frames I kept doing with 40 odd, mm. and then breaking down, and Stephen just dished all the time. So mm. I think somebody told me I'd done like six breaks over 40 mm. in that, and I lost only one one frame. Mm. So it was a. Uh, but to be in a final, though, it was, it did was, you sort of reflect on that and take yeah, the positives? Yeah. It was obviously a great week. For me to get to the final was fantastic, but it was just horrible to lose the way I lost. It made me feel as if I'd done it all for nothing. Mm. And of course, at this time as well, there were a lot of Scottish pros, weren't there? A lot, yeah. of, lot of people, I guess, you could practice with and sort of improve that way as well. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying earlier. There, there were so many players in mm. Scotland, it was unbelievable. Mm. So, and then you got to a couple more finals. British Open, 2001, yeah. played John Higgins there as well. Did, did you sort of feel more confident having yeah. played a final already? Going I, to I felt a lot better, because even that match, I think, if memory serves me, I lost 9-6. But I think I lost a black ball for it to go 8-7. Yeah. So, I felt... I was involved, and I felt better leaving that final than I did with Stephen because John played well as well. And at the end of the day, I was a massive underdog to beat John yeah. or Stephen, so yeah. you just got to accept that you're not as good as them. Yeah, but so you've got a couple of finals under your belt, and of course, in 2004, there you are at the Crucible, and, yeah. and you reached the final there. Now that's a much bigger deal, obviously, because that's yeah. the, the one tournament everyone watches. It's the World Championship. What were your memories of, of that event? Because, of course, in the final, you went 5 nil up against Yeah, Simon. I know. Everybody always, everybody <laughs> always mentions that, but I, I never... I, I honestly never even really thought anything about it because it was such a long... I mean, if it was first to seven, I, yeah, might, yeah, yeah. I might have been quite... But yeah. I, I, even when I went 5 nil up, I, I genuinely never thought, oh, I've got a chance of winning this. Cause it was nothing. Hmm. It, I was, it wasn't really that much. But um, I just remember playing quite well all the way through. The, the semi-final I had with... Matthew Stevens was was a phenomenal game, and I think if that was two bigger name players, they, they would have been talking about that game for a while. It was a really really good game, but um, I was just happy to get there. I mean, finally the world's unbelievable. Mm. I mean, it's, you can get to finals the other tournaments, but there could even be a lot of players that are better than me might never get to a final mm. of the world. So it was it was a phenomenal achievement. I mean, it's hard to maybe look back now because it's 12 years ago. But did you sort of leave there thinking, right? Well, I've been in the final. I can win this now. You know, I've proved I can last till the, till the yeah, last day. I did. I did because at the end of the day, 
I mean, in 2004, I don't, I don't think Ronnie's ever played as well as what he played. That, that's, that's the best I've ever seen anybody play, even till this day. I don't think he could play better than what he played, because everything was, his safety was perfect. Every shot, and then when he got in, he cleared up. And he was, was like trying to play a robot. <laughs> so, so when I looked at it for the sense, well, right, I've lost. But, I mean, I've lost to somebody that he would have beat anybody that day. Yeah. So I did feel that I could, I could win it. Mm. Well, two years later, of course, yeah. uh, you, you did win it. I mean, it, it was an incredible tournament. And, and you know, people forget, well, people always talk about the final, but yeah. quarter-final, you played Neil Robertson. Semi-final, you played Ronnie O'Sullivan. Start at the quarter-final, that was a, a really, I think it went to a decider, didn't it? Yeah. Really dramatic finish. Yeah, I was 12-8 up. And I felt completely in control of the game, but then Neil kind of just threw his arm at everything. He kind of gave up a little bit and just decided that he was going to go for everything. And everything went in, which is quite worrying. <laughs> and then um, I got one chance in the last and managed to do, I managed to hold myself together and scrape over the line. So you, you're up against Ronnie again, and again yeah. it's a four-session match. You know, again, you're not going to be the favourite, but did yeah. you fancy it? I, I've, I've got to be brutally honest with you. I fancied it until the first session was finished, and then I thought I couldn't beat him. Right. And, if, and if it wasn't for Dell Hill, I wouldn't have beat him. I, I lost the first session 5-3, and I actually felt I played pretty well. And I thought, and I was lucky to lose at 5-3. It could have been, I think it was 5-2, and he was like 50 up, and I've cleared with 50 just to get out 5-3. And I can remember thinking, saying, well, I might not play as good as that again. Mm. And I've still lost 5-3, <laughs> so yeah. the chances... and, and Dell was trying to talk me through it and explain it to me how hard it is to beat Ronnie and your safety needs to be good and just keep your chin up and blah, blah, blah. And eventually, obviously, I did, but without Dell, I wouldn't have won. So, OK, so let's talk about the third session because that's, yeah. I guess, the one people remember. You won all eight frames. Yeah. And Ronnie seemed to be having some sort of breakdown or obviously wasn't, you know, wasn't kind of handling the pressure, I guess, yeah. you'd have to say. How did you manage to shut out what he was doing? Because there was all sorts of antics and so on. Yeah. Did you just manage to just no, focus I on was, what you were doing? I, I was completely kind of in the zone, I'd imagine people mm. would say. Because I know, even going back to the second session, again, the, the, the last frame of the session, Ronnie was nine... No, Ronnie was eight... What would that have been? Eight, seven in front. Mm. And again, I think he was maybe like 50 odd up. And I, I stole the frame. But when he shook my hand... At the end of that session, I could tell that even though he might not be looking at it, he was angry yeah. because he kind of double shook my hand. He kind of shook it and then grabbed it again. He was, he was fuming. So at that point, I really thought, I've, I've got him now. I've got him because he, couldn't, he just couldn't get rid of me. And then when the third session was happening, people were telling me he was making faces to the camera and things like that, but I never really paid any attention because... I never really gave him that many chances. Yeah. It's not as if he was in the balls and he was missing, so it was something that I could see. He just would play a safety, or maybe wouldn't he play it great and I would get in. Mm. So I always felt, I came, I came off at 12-8, and I said to Dell, if I win the next frame, I think I'll win them all. Because I just thought, he's, he's going to come out and try and mm. draw level and win the next four, but if I can win the first one, I thought, I think he'll give up, mm. and I'll win them all, and that's basically what it was. One of the challenges of the World Championship is obviously the time between the sessions. You know, they're, yeah. they're matches, but they're also sessions. Yeah. And so you're sixteen eight up, first to seventeen. Was there any sort of little bit of your mind thinking, "Oh my God, if I lose this, you know, I'll never be able to look at a snooker ball again"? There probably wasn't, although there should have been. But there probably wasn't because what I genuinely thought was he wasn't going to show up. Right. I always thought he wouldn't. I just had a feeling that yeah. he won't show up. And I remember when he when he when he did show up, and I thought, "Right, he's here." He walked out with his case, 
And I was thinking that, because remember he gave you cure, yeah. I was actually thinking that he was going to walk out, open his case up and there would be no cure in it, <laughs> and he was going to concede. Yeah. Things like that were going through my head, because yeah. I knew he wasn't thinking yeah. properly. But um, obviously when he won the first couple of frames, then I started thinking, and I, I didn't like the atmosphere, mm. because they were kind of praying for me to miss, yeah. and kind of, if I missed, they were trying to, like, ooh, build loads of yeah, 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 yeah. I, I never liked the atmosphere, so I was glad to get it over and done with. Yeah, he won a couple though, didn't he? He started coming he back a little bit. He won a couple bit. and I won one in the black. Yeah. So I was happy to get it over and done yeah. with because um, well, we know how good he can be. He can yeah. ring off four or five frames. Yeah. So I was happy just to get it done. So going into the final against Peter Ebden, uh, how did you feel there? Because obviously he'd won it before, but he wasn't necessarily winning sort of everything. He, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't like Hendry and Higgins who he'd played we, finals yeah, before. We, that was exactly the reason why I felt better getting into it. Because people kept saying, look, guys like yourself would say you've lost in four finals or whatever it was I'd lost in, but I was a massive underdog to win any of them. Mm. And I felt playing Peter, it was 50-50. Mm. I know Peter would go in as favourite, but in my eyes it felt 50-50, so I felt I had a good chance to win. So that was, that was kind of the way it went. And I, and I played, I played, I mean, the game was rubbish. <laughs> the game, you can't get away with it. Never, ever watched it back. It was just horrible, but... Somebody's got to win, mm. and it was, all the frames were horrible and scrappy. But I was winning them, so there was no reason for me to change. Mm. I won every session. Mm. It got a bad rap, didn't it? The, the final did did, did oh. that did that in your mind sort of annoy you because you know you've worked your, your heart heart and soul out to become world champion, and yeah. people are sort of slating the match. Yeah, I think it did. Mm. I think it did. I mean, I think everybody knows it was wrong, the way it was. I mean, you could sit here and make excuses about why the game was bad and this and that, but see, even if you look at like the, the century breaks in that year, it was incredibly low. Yeah. And again, we thought it sounding like an excuse. The tables were really playing really tight. They were awfully tight. And and that that's not just coming from me. That's coming. That's why there was hardly any centuries that year. So if you're playing in a table that's incredibly tight and you've got both players that are exhausted, it's not going to. Mm. It's never going to be that good. And we all know what Peter's plays like. Yeah. And especially when Peter goes behind, he actually slows down. And so it was. It wasn't good to play on. And I certainly, I know for a fact, it couldn't have been good to watch. Mm. But also, the, sort of one of the side effects was you sort of gained a reputation as a slow player from it, which you're not. But but because people saw that match and maybe hadn't right. seen you play before, maybe That's right. they thought, oh yeah, Graham, Dot, and Peter Ebden, they're just sort of grinders. That's right, and I, I've I've probably been tagged with it probably to this day, even although I'm probably one of the quickest players mm. in about. I, I couldn't imagine there's not that many that I would think it's quicker than me. But as you said, you get tagged with it sometimes. Mm. But you're world champion. I mean, yeah. what, what was that like in the sort of weeks afterwards? Oh, was, I mean, just, just to win it was unbelievable because obviously I thought I'd lost it. I mean, if I, see, if, if I'd won the match, when I, what I thought I was going to do, when I was 15-7 up, I've already got the winner's speech done. and yeah. I, I, even, I think I fell asleep in the dressing room <laughs> before I went out because I think I actually, all the adrenaline had come out of me and I thought I'd won. And... Obviously, when he when he kept coming back at me, and I thought, "Oh my God, I'm going to lose it. Nobody's lost for this." And it was so, it was horrible. So to the end, but one, it, it felt more like a relief than if I'd have went on and won eighteen ten. Mm. I think I'd have been quite calm, and but it was just a massive relief to win it, um, regardless how the game was. And what was it like? Literally, just not like having the trophy in the house. I mean, did you sort of stare at it in the morning? I mean, what... yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's it's surreal. But to, to think back at what I was saying, I mean, I was practising on a six-foot table watching a black and white TV at the World Championships, and then I'm in it. And even though I've been in it three times, there's still sometimes when you get introduced, you think, 
I should be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be here. I'm, I'm normally I'm watching this, and, it, and it's hard. It's sometimes quite hard, but it, it's emotional as well because mm. it means so much to everybody. Mm. Did you feel sort of? You know, there's this thing always about the first time champion, yeah. you never defended it, and but the whole season you're kind of under scrutiny. And maybe your matches before that hadn't been yeah. necessarily always centre stage, but now they suddenly were. Did you feel a extra pressure from other people and b from yourself to, to perform? I, I loved it. I loved it. I know Stuart's obviously been saying that he struggled and he's, he's not played as well, but 2007 was probably my most consistent year. I played, I played great, and, and could have got to number one. It was probably the best I'd played all through the year. I was getting to the later stages of most of the tournaments. And if I did lose, I played well when I lost. So I loved it. I loved the pressure of it. But, um, I probably made a mess of it going to the world that year, but, but my whole season was good. Mm. And also people forget that there are other things going on in life and you know you had your problems, you, you had yep. struggled with, with depression. Was, was that something that you sort of felt was, was sort of creeping up on you or was it a sort of sudden thing that you realised you had, you had problems? No, no, I knew, I knew I had problems kind of the tail end of that, that season. I knew I had problems kind of the tail end of that season. But obviously being world champion, you're trying to blank everything out to make sure you do your duties and show up to tournaments. And, but it, it, was, it was going on in the background. Because I can remember like, winning China before the world and it didn't feel quite as good as it should have done. So yeah. I, I knew there was something wrong. But obviously it didn't kick in until once the world was finished. That was the kind of... The dream was done and it was finished and you pass the trophy on to somebody else and it's nothing to do with me anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when it obviously it just completely kicked in then. Mm. And how long did it sort of take to A, face up to it and B, sort of come through it? Oh, it took ages. I mean, I don't know how long it have been. A couple of years. Mm. I mean, I've, I don't think I'll... I'll probably never get over it. I mean, I'm still on medication just now. I'll probably always have it because at least I can deal with it now. But... Um, I never knew what it was. Mm. That's probably part of the problem. It's a thing that not a lot of people talk about. Mm. But depression. So my wife obviously took a lot. I mean, she took. I was terrible. I mean, to actually think how bad I was, it was like a horror film, and I was just dreadful. How bad I was. Not able to sort of do anything or just do nothing. I mean, I can remember one day that my wife, she was going to college. She's a nurse now, but she was doing her um, course at college. And she left the house at whatever it would be, like half seven, and I was up just sitting in the living room with my dressing gown on. And she came back at four o'clock and I was still sitting there. No TV on, just sitting. I mean, it sounds something like a horror film, but I didn't, want to, I didn't want to do anything. So eventually I went to the doctors and they said, that's, well, I know it sounds stupid, but I never actually thought I was depressed. I just thought, because you don't know. So at least once they told me you've got depression, and I felt a bit, do you know what I mean, a bit better. But it was coming, it was coming round to... The World Championships again, and through that whole season, I never won a match. But I mean, no wonder I never won a match. I wasn't. I mean, I was beyond belief how bad I was even at tournaments. It was terrible. My thought process and things, and nobody speak to players. And I mean, it got to that. I can remember I lost in China, and I said to John Higgins, Steve McGuire, I, I can't play anymore. I can't do it. I just can't play. I can't face it. And I, I was speaking to Fergal O'Brien coming back in the plane, and I said, I'm going to pull out the world. And he was trying to get me to play. He said, you don't want to... Because it had never really been heard of somebody yeah. pulling out the world. It wouldn't be done. I said, but I just can't play. And obviously my manager at the time was, was Pat Mooney. And um, I called him up when I was home, and I said, listen, just put a press release out that I'm not playing. And when I told him that I wasn't playing, I felt happy. 
Right. That I wasn't going to put myself through that anymore. I can just no play. So I was assuming that that's done. But he never put the press release out. And he phoned me about three days later and said, listen, I've not done it. Do you want to play? And I said, no, I've not changed, but I don't want to play. And he got some guy, uh, some, I don't know, a psychiatrist, but a, a, I don't know what you would call him, but a kind of, kind of like a psychiatrist. So one of the, he said he wanted to see you, he thinks he can maybe get you to play. I says, well, I'll try it. I says, but, and he did. He, did. he, got, he got me to somewhere where I could go out and play. Which I was happy with. I was really happy that I didn't pull it. Mm. And um, that was, again, that was only because of Pat. Because if Pat done what I told him to do, I, yeah. I would have been out already. Mm. And I only decided to play. And it wasn't that long. Maybe mm. a week before I went down. But I had no preparation practice-wise. But I actually played really good. Mm. I think Joe Perry beat me 10-7. But, I, I mean, I played really well, considering. Mm. Uh, I think Joe had about four or five turns that, that game. But I, I was happy that I played, mm. and it felt good to actually walk out, and I started to feel a bit better, which was the turning point. I started feeling a bit better from it. Because, I mean, snooker, you know, all sport d- d- needs sort of focus, but snooker in particular, the mental yeah. focus you need. So if, you're, if you have got sort of problems off the table, obviously your form will be affected, won't yeah. it? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, I was, I was hitting wrong balls and everything during that season. And you think, I've done it twice. Yeah. I've had a car instead of a red. I mean, my, my brain was frazzled. I missed the reds breaking off in one of my matches. Yeah. My, I should have been nowhere near a snooker table that whole season but I, I kept playing but I shouldn't have been anywhere near a table mm. but anyway the 2010 World Championship yeah. you're back in the final again I mean three yeah. World Finals in what six years that's, that's pretty good going it is it's, really, I mean, it's, it's something that I'd, I'd always be I'm always really proud of because it's, it's, as I said there's lots of players that are probably better than me I know how good I am mm. I'm not one that thinks I'm fantastic I know how good I am so to get to three finals in six years was, was a phenomenal achievement but that one was probably meant more to me because of how low I'd been but also as well the way I played because I think I, I probably played the best going to the final I was probably the foreign player going to the final mm. which was good you've seemed to you've done well in a lot of close matches as well particularly the Crucible I mean and yeah. that's where it seems most people who follow snooker would think that's where it's the hardest to yeah. hold yourself together so how, how do you sort of cope with the pressure I just think the Crucible suits the World Championship suits my game more than, than any other tournament mm. because it's so long because I think it, it will, the World Championship tests tests you something terrible it tests everything but I just think that the, the, the way that I play I know I'm no the best at anything in snooker <laughs> but I'm quite good at everything yeah, yeah. and over a long long game if I can keep playing it the exact same way a lot of the times I end up winning mm. because I'll stay there and I'll play at that level all the way through as well, you'll get players that are better than me that are not in five tons in a row but mm. then they'll peak and they'll, they'll drift down as where I don't mm. and that's why eventually over longer games I can get them mm. when it's first to 13 as well best of seven and beat four nothing mm. <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of the other players they don't want to draw you because you kind of especially in, in a big tournament you make it a match you always yeah. know because you, you're very sort of feisty yeah. competitor aren't you and yeah. you know you're in for like a hard match I just, I just love it I love everything about the crucible I, love, I mean the amount of matches I've won there when I've not been the better player is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it really is unbelievable. But um, I, I remember beating Ali Carter and I, I felt like apologising after I beat him because he played so much better than me, but I've won. Even Ricky Walden last year played better than me and I, and I won the match. I, I seem to be quite good at eventually finding a way of getting to 10 or getting to 13 before the other guy does mm. without how I've done it. 
I sometimes would win. People think, how's he managed to win? He was rubbish all the way through. But it's, it's a good trait to have. Mm. But given that, and given your record there, all the finals and so on, and indeed having read your book, Graham, is it fair to say you don't think you've got the credit you deserve, certainly from the media, but also maybe from maybe some snooker fans as well? Oh, probably. But, I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I think I was... After the, as you said, the, the 06 final, that, that, get, it, that gets such bad press that I was probably tarnished with it. Hmm. So, but it's, it's, as you said, the, the, the start that nobody can get away from is three finals in six years, hmm. which is, I mean, I don't, nobody can fluke their way to a final once. No. But even if somebody by some strange, unbelievable amount of luck happened to do it, they're not going to get there three times. Hmm. So that, that's something that I'm... I'm I'm definitely proud of. Mm. So what, what what are your thoughts about your sort of career as it stands now? You're just outside the top 16 as, as we record yeah. this. Uh, a lot of snooker being played. Are you enjoying this current era with all the changes? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> to be... no point, there's not much point in doing this no moaning about something. I mean, I'm going to moan at something. But no, I, I, it's, a, young, it's a young man's game, I think. Mm. If, I, if I went back to what we're talking about when I played at Blackpool, I loved it. Mm. And the players just now are loving it. But I'm kind of now like the guy that I was playing against at the Norbrook okay. when they didn't like it. Yeah. And I, I just feel like being away like... So it's the travelling more, yeah, more than anything, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, after this, we go to Germany. As, as, you're, as you're filming yeah. us just now, we go to Germany and I'm back for a day or two days. And then I'm at Barnsley and I'm driving from Barnsley to Redden, Redden to Wales, Wales to here, here to Poland. Mm. It's a lot of travel. Mm. I mean, you, you've got a family as well, it's hard. And when people always say, well, you've got to do it. I mean, you have got to do it, but it doesn't make sense you've got to enjoy it. Mm. And I think the harder, that, the older I'm getting, it's, you don't practice as much as well. And the hunger's not there as much as when you see some of these other players. I get the feeling as well, you're not a great fan of the sort of best of sevens and oh, no, matches. As, as we've just spoke about mm. there, I mean, my game, <laughs> my game appears to be all about the distance. I mean, I'm not a, I don't even watch cricket, but I'm obviously... 2020 wouldn't be for me. <laughs> test, need, you're a I test need, man. I, yeah. I, I need to be able to play a longer game for my game to try and come through. And mm. Best of sevens, best of nines are all too short for me. Mm. So at this stage of your career, then, what are your sort of future ambitions? To try and earn as much money as I can. That's just providing for your family. So that's basically all we're trying to do. And, and win as much money as you possibly can. But if you can win a tournament, great. Mm. You, you came from pretty humble beginnings, as anyone's read your book will know. Looking back at your career, it's not over yet, but looking back at your career, you must be immensely proud of what you've achieved. I mean, you've won the one tournament everybody yeah. wants to win, and many great players have not won. That's right. That's, that's, I mean, you, you do pinch yourself sometimes, even like watching that um, thing that was on the, the TV, like the rap yeah, yeah. Even like seeing that and seeing like, like Alex Higgins being drunk and he's got the trophy, in the, and I think mm. I had that trophy. That mm. trophy was in my house. I mm. mean, it is... It is um, surreal, mm. and and you are immensely proud because there, there's, as I said, I've never been big-headed. I know how good I am, but there's been a lot better players than me mm. that haven't won it. Mm. So it's, it's I'm, I'm proud of what my crucible record anyway. Mm. Excellent. Well, it's been great to talk to you, Graham. Thanks a lot for being no our guest this week, and thanks to everybody for listening. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.